Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to USTA Florida's Here to Serve podcast. My name is Laura Bowen. I'm the executive director here at USTA Florida. And in today's podcast, we are going to revisit a topic that we first tackled in February 2023. One year ago, George Henry joined me on the podcast to share takeaways from his master's thesis on the challenges and opportunities facing our historically black colleges and universities. Today, George returns to the podcast as USTA Florida's Director of Tennis at Play Tennis Gainesville. And we're joined also by Coach Nikki Houston, who's the Director of Tennis at Florida A&M University. Nikki is a native of Nashville, Tennessee, and she came to FAM after serving as the tennis director for Hadley Park Tennis Club in Nashville. She's a two-time alum of FAM, earning her bachelor's degree in computer information systems in 2002 and a master's degree in sports management in 2006. She was a four-year letter winner for the women's tennis program, and she played in the number one singles and doubles position. As coach of the FAMU women's tennis program, she's led them to one Southwestern Athletic Conference championship that was last year in 2023. And she also has led FAMU men's tennis program to one Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference championship back in 2017. She has an incredible record as a coach, a director of tennis, and somebody who truly cares about expanding access to the sport. I'm excited today to talk to both George and Nikki about how our industry can do more to support our historically black colleges and universities and why these institutions are so critical to our growth today and in the future. Enjoy the podcast and be sure to check out our social media pages to leave a comment and a question for us. Nikki and George, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. I'm super excited about our podcast and I always learn from the two of you. So thanks again for being here. Thank you for having us. So Nikki, I want to start with you today. Um, FAMU is just such a special place for tennis. You know, obviously it has a great legacy and history of Althea playing there. Was that a big decision for you or a big factor in your decision to attend FAMU as a student athlete and then eventually coach there? Like what what did what role did the history and legacy play in in your choices to come to FAM? You know, it's funny. Um, I didn't really know that the Gibson went here until I came on the recruiting visit. Um, I knew about the Gibson, my parents, you know, they're big on about knowing our history. And so I knew about her, but I don't even think my parents knew that she went to Florida AM until okay. we came on campus. And they taught us the the history of Athea Gibson. And I think that helped a lot of knowing the greatness that was on this campus, the foundation that was probably set for her to the, to the uh, tennis community. So, you know, I think that helped a lot in my decision um, to come here and be a student athlete and eventually being a coach. Well, we're we're glad that you did for sure because we we benefited from that. So thank you for coming to Florida in any way, but particularly to fam. You know, George, I know you also have a family 
connection to FAMU. I think your sister and your father both went there, but you didn't. So I, I love you telling this story about why you didn't I'm, go I'm, there. I'm, I'm almost I'm almost embarrassed to tell it. I mean, it was, <laughs> but I, I'll, you know, I'll tell it. It's part of my life. So yeah, <laughs> I um, I can remember going to FAMU uh, during my high school years. Actually, my senior year of high school. A friend of mine and I drove down from Wilmington, North Carolina, to go to homecoming. So I was all ready to go, you know, to FAMU. And then, kind of at the last minutes, you know, some home things happened. I decided I kind of I, I kind of rebelled from my father, and I said I'm not going there because he went there, and you know, I ended up going to another school, uh, North Carolina Central, and the rest is history for me. So, but I kind of regret that. And, you know, I knew that history, actually, I was, um, you know, a big fan of Athelia Gibson. My high school uh, coach, my father's fraternity brother, is who, uh, Dr. Eaton, is who Athelia Gibson lived with before she went to FAMU. So that 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 was part of my legacy also. And your sister went to FAMU. I didn't even want to mention that. Yeah, my sister went. Thank you, Laura. And she... <laughs> And it's funny, she was a she was kind of big wheel during that time there. She was a business major when they were, you know, top two business school in the nation. And she went on to um, you know, she graduated in the master's program. She was actually Miss Florida and them. Um, so that was an experience that opened up, you know, the a world to her. And she went out and worked for a pharmaceutical company and she's she's mighty proud of being a rattler, so well, I think, you know, one thing I've noticed about, you know, the HBCU family is you all have the most loyal alumni. You really, really do. I know Mark Atkinson is a Rattler, right? Yes. Yes, he and, is. But he's, he is. He's, he's coaching at Edward Waters now, but, yeah. you know, he's, he, he, I feel like he's torn. You know, I'm not going to speak for him, but <laughs> I feel like he's just a little torn, too. Yeah. I just want him to like, you're a tiger now. He's like, no, I'm still a rattler. So. He's always going to be a rattler. Always going to be a rattler. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to get him on the pod, too, to talk about how you navigate Definitely. that. <laughs> yeah, Definitely. Um, well, you know, George, what's kind of interesting about the timing of this podcast was it was almost exactly a year ago that you and I did a podcast on your thesis, which was the challenges yeah. uh, facing HBCU tennis programs. I learned mm -hmm. so much from that. And I, I listen to NPR a lot, and it was funny in November. They did a story on almost the similar challenges similar. and the fact that, you know, there was a high number of international students playing tennis mm -hmm. at HBCUs, which you know, happens in college tennis anyway. Um, despite the fact that the sport is growing in popularity among Black youth here in the United States. So question for you, Nikki, what are the biggest challenges you face as a director of tennis and a coach when it comes to recruiting students from the U.S. to play at FAMU? And is it beneficial to you to have students from abroad on the team? Because I think you have a mix now, right? Well, I do. I do. Um, I, you know, we, we are in that hub where, you know, we're in the Southeast being in Florida, you know, it's a recruiting hotspot. Um, so it's going to be hard for us anyway, um, as recruiting for the U S and international, but my, my first goal is always to recruit us first, um, to see, to try to get the top players here. And then, 
if I can't, you know, just being in this region and playing all these tough schools, you know, we have to get the best players here. And like you said, I do have a mix of uh, players and I think it's beneficial because we are an international sport. And so, you know, having a mixture is always good. Um, but I do recruit with the U.S. first and try to get the top players. Um, but, you know, it is a fight. It is a fight mm -hmm. out here trying to get the top players. And um, and then if not, then we do go abroad. And I think one of your local Florida players was this, uh, the conference player of the week a, a week or so ago, right? She is yeah. white luck from uh, St. Petersburg. Yeah, St. Pete. I love to see that. A Florida girl coming in there. I love it. Love it. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, George, question for you. Since we last talked a year ago, I mean, we talk all the time, but in the context of the pod, do you think the landscape has changed at all in the past year? And has the addition of a women's tennis program at Edward Waters had an impact here in Florida on sort of what we're seeing come into the HBCU space? I mean, I can only speak on, you know, what I immediately have seen. And I mean, a year has gone by, you know, kind of quick. I, I think it's very similar. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm I'm sure, you know, with Nikki, she's built a tradition and, and she's really, you know, got a knack for, you know, that, that specialty in recruiting. And it's, I think it might be a little easier for her. I think the time is right for her now because a lot of players are seasoned and they're ready you know, and then with the um, transfer portal too, you know, you can get some some players that are kind of ready. Um, I I just I mean, I think it's 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 the difficulty is when you at an HBCU and you're really going after, um, you know, minority players. It's hard to get players that are really ready or that even know about your school and 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 uh, you know the the program you have. So. Mm -hmm. I think it's changing. It's getting better, I think. But I think there's so much work that needs to be done. Um, we just got to keep pushing it. Keep chipping away at him. Yeah. Well, you just teed up my next question, actually, um, really well. I was uh, kind of trolling the FAMU Athletics Instagram account because I was pressing my marketing team to really start looking at the results of college tennis in general, but making sure that we were also looking at some of the great news and information that FAM puts out about its athletics program. And one of my team members said, you got to see their Instagram account. <laughs> it's really good. So of course they go on there, right? And I'm like, this is crazy good, you know? And I see the video with LeBron and I'm like, what is happening here? Like, and so I really think the promotion that, you all do um, in that space of your athletics program really is sort of top tier in the college landscape. How can we, like the tennis world, amplify what your other, uh, you know, your school does and maybe help some of the other HBCUs um, do that type of promotion also for tennis as part of their athletics department? Because I'm not sure that that's happening at all of that HBCUs the way that you know, you all got tennis right on in there in the squares, and I would be super happy to see that, and I'd like to see that at more of the schools. Yeah, um, we have a very good uh, sports information uh, department here. Uh, Josh leads uh, the way on that, and he's got a lot of interns that come and help, and I think that has helped a lot. You know, this day and age, social media is huge. <laughs> it's a huge recruitment piece. It's a huge uh, thing, so you can look inside 
what's going on on your team. And I think with other schools, if they can really kind of emphasize on that, that sports information and get a person in there that can really dive into showing what's going on in your teams, especially tennis-wise, having them, you know, whether they do during the day, um, I think that helps a lot uh, for you getting the inside of what's going on um, in, in, in your school and in your tennis program. And I think the partnerships, like you, you, um, you let me come on to this iPod, um, iPod and discuss about learning in them. I think that helps out tremendously because it hits other areas that we probably won't even get people to get to listen to. So I think, you know, those small little things would help our programs to be seen in across the nation. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. I think young kids and even their parents now, you know, they look at so much on social and connect with people on social and it influences their decisions more than maybe we give it credit for. And so, I mean, if I was looking at your socials, I'd be like, yeah, I'd want to go there. I mean, I kind of want to go there now. And I'm yeah. Old, yeah, like you said, I mean, a lot of them follow my players and see what they yeah. do. I just saw it. Once they see us on our page, they see mm -hmm. the IG, then they start following my team. You know, yeah. yeah, I saw this person. Yeah, I saw this person on their page. So, like I said, social media is, is huge these days and something that they're continuously uh, growing. That's awesome. Well, good good work to you and your team there. And, you know, need to figure out how we can duplicate that other places, too. And I think Edward Waters does a pretty good job, too. I mean, I, I follow them as well, and I'm always impressed by some of the content that they put out also. So, um, lots of great things happening in that space. Yeah. You know, I know you've both worked in the public park space, actually. Um, mm -hmm. I know that you're both of your backgrounds. You, you both have very similar backgrounds, just like different pathways, which is such a, yes. cool, such a cool thing. And George, I wanted to ask you, what role do you think the public park tennis and the NJTL network play in encouraging you, particularly Black youth, to pursue HBCU tennis? I, I think it really is part of uh, a big pathway. And I think that's what a lot of us really don't get exposed to pathways soon enough uh, so that we can develop, you know. I know with me, I started tennis late and I wasn't a part of any, you know, grassroots program. I got into dealing with grassroots programs later on. But I think the USTA has embraced, hey, we can help or we have a mechanism that you can and then put you in a network and a system so you can, if you want to do recreation, you can go recreation way. If you want to do competitive, you can go competitive way. So NJTL kind of really is a starting point and really in, introduces a lot of the youngsters and their families also. Because um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of families really don't have any knowledge when they want their kid to be in it. And they don't have any gauge. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I think it's important. I think the way we deliver or... You know, each each city delivers it differently. Each, you know, program is is different. But we all come under that umbrella. It uh it benefits a lot. So would you agree with that, Nikki, like based on your experience in sort of the public park space? Oh, absolutely. Um I, I did grow up in the, the grassroots uh, my dad is my coach. <laughs> George knows <laughs> he's a big citizen. Yeah, and um, his program was kind of based on Mitchell Parks, and he partnered with the, those parks um, to bring tennis to the community in Nashville. I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, so 
um, it was very big of, you know, partnering with the Metro Parks, partnering with NJTL. Um, they used to be on Tennessee State's campus all the time. They used to be on FAMU's campus all the time. It, it, it was really big and very important um, to have. And I wish, you know, we continue and even bring it back because we don't have it at FAMU anymore. But I think, you know, having those type of programs, um, sh showing them early tennis um, to a sport that could be a little bit expensive, um, but when you have a partnership with the Metro Parks and it's free for those kids to come out and play at an early age, it might pique their interest before they even get to a basketball, football. Mm -hmm. So I think they're very important um, to the tennis community. What's really and kind of nice is um, in Florida, where all the HBCUs are located, we do have active parks and NJTL networks mm -hmm. in all of those areas. So sometimes it's just sort of putting those pieces together. Exactly. Like Edward Waters didn't have a team before. Now they do. Mark used to be at the Mount Washington Foundation, mm -hmm. you know. And right. so it, it's nice if you can get all the pieces to just sort of come together that way. And we have that opportunity here in Florida. I think we just maybe aren't quite there yet. Is that what you were going to say, George? I'm sorry. You know, I, I was just going to add, you know, especially with with Nikki and knowing her father and knowing her history, her father, I guess, got involved with tennis at a time where uh, there were there were other black coaches out there like her father in different cities that were like the first black coaches that were PTR coaches. Yeah. And they networked together because when I when I started mm -hmm. the idea of doing grassroots and you know, after I got my undergraduate degree, there were her, her father and others were the ones I, I looked for leadership and they gave me a blueprint, you know, how to work this and how to work that. And, and, and those programs actually produce not only recreation players, but they produce professional players. Some of those players were the ones I played with on the circuit that did mm -hmm. much better than me, but they started from a program like that. So I, I, I think we're at a time, we just have to look how it evolved and go back to some of those things that they were doing years and years ago, setting up the infrastructure so that they could grow the game and grow the business of tennis. It's not just the game. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a business that's uh, associated with it also. Yeah. And George, I know you've been really supportive of, you know, our efforts to try to do more coaches conference for mm -hmm. black coaches, coaches mm -hmm. of color, women coaches, et cetera, to say, hey, how do we invest more in the diverse coaching space? Because it does directly correlate to the player side and player development. And you've been such a driving force for us there. And um, it's been really Thank important. You. And hopefully we can do more in that space too. Thank you. Um, so interestingly enough, you both also have experience in the professional side of ten. <laughs> It's like you're a little bit. Little bit. Little bit. Little bit. You know, I little dabbled bit. a little bit. You're right. I knew early on I, I need to coach. <laughs> so it worked. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that aside, what role do you think today's tennis superstars have in advocating for HBCU tennis, maybe in a similar way to what LeBron did in yeah. supporting the athletics at FAMU. You can go, Nick. I'll wait. I'm... <laughs> you wait. I mean, like I said, I mean, exposure, exposure, exposure. I mean, when LeBron did it, he's like got 159 million followers. So when you have that many followers and you wearing Florida and University 
jersey or t-shirt or you got your shoes out there representing a family brand um it gets exposure for our campus and um that's something you can't beat you can't buy you know that's um awesome and so you know for these pros that's out there you know definitely mention florida and me anytime you get a chance (laughs) (laughs) again it gives exposure to you know kids that probably don't even know about us yeah, we don't see much of that in the tennis space. I don't know if I missed it or whatever, but I mean, I watch a lot of the pro tennis and I don't I don't see much of that and I would love to see more of it promoted. And Yeah, I mean, I, I know there's definitely some coaches that are, are family grads that um, I'm going to probably call now and be like, make sure you yeah. throw out a family t-shirt send for them. them a little package of yeah, send a package and say, out there. wear this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, but um, I think uh, it's something that we definitely can push more of. What do you think, George? And I, I would agree with that. I think, um, you know, within the sport, especially a lot of up-and-coming young players, a lot of them really don't even know much about it at HBCU, especially tennis. I mean, they might Kamai. Uh, and some others, you know, some might have heard of me or whatever. I, it wasn't from being a player. It was from working with other players. But to even associate with an HBCU, they don't have that tie. I, I know um, I know Francis, Francis mm-hmm. Tiafo. I know people that have known him for years. Nice, nice guy. But, I mean, HBCU and really knowing how to support it from a tennis standpoint is something, I mean, he probably has no idea. You know, his circle is different than that. Yeah. I think we have to build circles that are inviting to HBCUs and show them, you know, make the connection. You know, if it's our organization, I think, and that that was one of my beefs with the uh, at the U.S. Open, where I felt, you know, they were looking more at the step shows and, and the bands and everything as opposed to bringing the tennis mm-hmm. um, connection into it. You know, at, and that was a tennis event. So I think we can do better um, in our organizations to to bridge those gaps. Yeah, I would agree. I, I don't think there's near enough focus on the collegiate space in general, right? So when you consider maybe we're not doing a lot there to begin with, and, you know, that's not a criticism of ITA or any of the other yeah, collegiates. Anyone. It's us, you know, yeah. it's us as USTA. But then this being such an important part of the legacy and the history and, you know, giving opportunity where it needs to be. So I think that's a good call out, George. And, you know, hopefully something we also can affect change in in the, in the next year. So maybe a year ago when we or a year from now, mm-hmm. when we come back, we'll be like, look, we did something better there. <laughs> All right. Last question for you both. Uh, I've learned a lot about HBCUs and HBCU tennis in the past year, and that's certainly a credit to you both and the wonderful folks at Edward Waters and others who've really helped to educate me. Um, In my opinion uh, only, USTA and the tennis industry really needs to step up and devote a lot more time and attention to publicly supporting and advocating for HBCUs, and particularly tennis at HBCUs. So, I'm going to invite each of you to say, if you could say one thing to our industry partners who are listening to this pod. And when I say industry partners, I mean everybody, from the ball manufacturers to the coaching organizations to us as USTA, you know, something that we should really be doing uh, to support you. 
what would it be? And then how can I be a better supporter of this important part of Florida tennis specifically? So that's a hot potato question, but all answers are welcome and encouraged. Who wants to go first? I know you're going to throw me out there. I try to be a gentleman. No, I understand. Okay, that's it. Um, <laughs> I, I, if we, we talk about one thing, I think to me the biggest thing is probably partnershiping. Um, I know we met a couple of months ago, and I, you know, we went to um, Orlando and we partnered with uh, Posh Rock Tennis and mm -hmm. J Jack and Jill of America, and USDA was part of that. Um, where we did community service, got the kids out there, you know, and we played a match. I mean, I think all that is exposure. And I think the more that we do that, the more we do it in different cities with different schools, I think that will build a lot of bridge for a lot of us to, you know, get into those um, those communities to learn a little bit more about tennis. And it also is a recruiting um, opportunity because a lot of kids hear about that we're going to be out there and they come see us play. So I think the partnerships with USDA and the other organizations um, can go a long way with getting more interest into tennis community. That's a great one. And uh, we're we're going to come up with another partner, which is Black Girls Tennis Club, which I think we've been talking to about potentially doing some stuff at FAM, but also in Orlando. I think they're coming down for Billie Jean King Cup and some other things. So more partners coming your, your way, Nikki, for sure. Awesome. And I love that. The more we can get you all and your team out there, like you said, it's a recruiting tool so that these players see like, hey, that's a cool environment. Maybe, you know, they want to look at when they're considering their college options. Absolutely. Thank you. George, what do you got for me today? We talk a lot about this question, so I'm not sure which one you're going to throw out at me. I'm very curious. I don't know either. Let me pick. But uh, <laughs> I might try to sneak two in. But I think from what I can see, I said from an industry and an organizational standpoint, I think really bringing change agents into the arena of tennis to really go out and know how to go after those partnerships. Because it's one thing to have partnership and you don't know who you're partnering with or anything about them. So change agents, and I wanted to say like you, Laura, because I mean, you've impressed me from the time we met and doing what you said you were going to do, or at least trying it. And I think that's what it has to come from the heart. And you have to see a vision. So it's not, I don't think it's one thing that, that needs to improve. I think as a whole, holistically, we have to take a different approach and, and, and just grow the game and to, and really to understand within the industry, tennis industry, I, when, when, when a minority or black is coming out and reaching out, it's not necessarily, we're not necessarily looking for a handout. We're looking for an open door that we can bring something, you know, of value. We have value. So really getting our value known out to people and really growing this thing. Love that. And I mean, I'm changing it because you guys helped me and I wouldn't right. be able to do anything that I do without you all. And um, I do think change a lot of times has to come from within. I mean, you can keep beating on the door from the outside a lot of times and just doesn't happen. So the more people we can bring in and say, let's bring more people in, different people in, different ideas, 
different thoughts, but also recognize why things are the way they are and acknowledge mm -hmm. that. Like there is a disparity. There are inequalities. Like we are operating in a system that is not equal for everybody. So we need to put more resources in certain places. And, you know, I think just even acknowledging that and acknowledging that, you know, uh, if, if someone needs my help, um, I'm definitely going to be there and try my best to do it. And hopefully we can do more of that in the year ahead. And again, thank you both for helping me with, with everything because I've learned a lot and I've grown a lot. And, I, and again, I want to thank you, Laura and George, for taking the time to come to Tallahassee and meeting with me and trying to help me. And get, again, getting that partnership that can help grow um, us here at Florida a University. So I really do appreciate the taking the time uh, for USCA Florida to come up here and visit. Well, I'm coming back. So just so you know, we got more to do up there. We're just starting and then you're in the middle of your season. But our hope is that by summer, fall, you're going to have some brand new courts there Absolutely. because we yes. need to yes. take care of the uh, Althea Gibson court there. Uh, tennis complex. Yes, she yes, deserves um, much more than that. She's not gotten her due, but the least we can do is make that a state-of-the-art complex. I know you've got swing vision coming up there. I think yes. our friend Jojo Palka is going to come up yes, and get y'all some swing vision. That way I can watch your matches from afar. Yeah. Then, oh, well, you know, we, we are doing live live feeds now. So we're still are? working on okay. yeah, yeah, so we're still working with our IT department trying to get better um a stronger signal. But uh last week was the first time we did live. And so we're gonna do it again this home match against uh UAB and against Georgia State. So Again, if you can tune in, I will. Matches, I will. Live, live, live stream it. I'll put it on yeah. my phone, you know. And yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll check it out and uh, definitely looking forward to that. And then uh, certainly continuing to discuss a more comprehensive support packages for the HBCU program here in the state of Florida, which George and our team has been working on based on all the input and all the feedback that we've gotten. So we're going to keep working on that. And so there um, hopefully will be an announcement later this year that we would be able to provide a more comprehensive package of, of grants and other support to get your, uh, your program to be where you want it to be, best in class, continue to be able to recruit the best of the best, and then also maybe grow it. And um, so maybe we can see some men's tennis return here yeah. in the near future. Well, thank you both again for joining me. It's always such a pleasure and, uh, you know, keep doing big things and, uh, yeah, appreciate your time. Go Rattlers. Thank you. <laughs> Wildcats. <laughs> Hell Wildcats. <laughs> all right. Bye, bye. That's all for this episode of USDA Florida's Here to Serve podcast. I hope you enjoyed the topic. Please check our social media channels for more ways to engage with USTA Florida during our 75th anniversary year. And for more upcoming topics, dates, and episodes of the pod, visit USTA.